Hey, welcome to my podcast. This is Gus, and this is Jesus Ducking Christ. The sermonization of the Gospels brought to you by a man who can't keep his mouth clean. I hope you all hit the five stars below on Spotify. I hope you follow. I hope you subscribe. And I hope, hope also that you enjoy this episode. On with the show. You're doing the car thing again. But there's a big difference. It's not my car. It's my wife's. Um, yeah, I've been worn out today because it's currently, I don't know what, almost five o'clock central. I'm out here sitting in front of a grocery store, watching the rain land on my windshield. Just kind of dead to the world in a way. See, my granny is in the hospital and... She was a lot more than just a grandmother, you know? She actually helped my dad raise me. So did my gramps. He's passed away. It's sad. They'll never meet Kate. Know how much she means to me. Know that I found what they've had for so long. Hmm. It's that love, though, that we're going to talk about today. See, uh, yeah, love God entirely and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. Fair enough. I can dig it. I can see it as well. It's easy to see the entirety of the 613 sin laws of the Old Testament being hung on those two commandments. I'd written something about love previous to this morning. But I'm breaking the script, kind of diving off the deep end, and you just get to tumble along with me as we go down the hill. Because I saw these reports of hate, pain, suffering, misery, falsehoods, it's disgusting. And all coming from the place where Jesus looked at that lawyer in his face and said, Love God with your heart, with your body, with your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. It is upon this which hangs all the law and the summation of the prophets. And I can't make any sweet words today about loving our neighbor when the country I'm sitting in is funding and supplying weapons of hate and misery and destruction. Wiping out an entire people. This is going to hurt. But when I heard the words of Yocheved uh, Lipschitz, I heard the words of the man taken care for by the Samaritan. It was the same shit, wasn't it? When she got to where she was going to be held, she'd been beaten in the ribs. She was bruised. She was scared. 
But those who captured her, she was treated with love. She ate the same food as those who held her. She saw people who needed the medicines, given the medicines. And if they didn't have the exact medicines, they gave them an approximation. Treatment for the same thing, so to speak. There was plenty of water provided. There was clean sanitary facilities for them. They were held, but they weren't held disrespectfully. She witnessed respect and care. And I believe that is very important. And I need you to know that I grieve entirely all of those who have been lost. Every life. But it weighs on my humanity to see that according to Associated Press, as of this moment, in Al Jazeera, there's over 8,000 dead Palestinians. Most of them children. By most, I mean like over a third are children. But you know, when the average age in Gaza is less than 18 years old, it's sad. But it means that every single person that Israel lost to Hamas on October 7th, Israel killed about eight people. The also shut off water, power, sanitation, targeted hospitals, targeted infrastructure points like water pumps, sanitation services, even turned, shut down their communication network. Leveled entire neighborhoods. And to think that over a third of the dead in Gaza are children under the age of 18 is morally bankrupt. You can see that love your neighbor as yourself thing it didn't just randomly come out of Jesus' brain. He didn't just ponder about it for a while and spout it. No. He quoted Leviticus. Listen to this passage because you got to hear all of it. It's So much of it is important today. So here it is. The 19th chapter of Leviticus, verses 9 through 18. When you reap the harvest of your land... You shall not reap the field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. Leave them for the poor, for the traveler. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, shall not deal falsely, and you shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf 
or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am Lord. Sorry for the yawn. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or deferred to the great. But in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother with your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Israel's neighbor, the Palestinians, are oppressed. And they have been for over a century. Israel showed nothing but hate for that neighbor. And they've incurred sin because of it. Currently there are, there in the West Bank, shooting more Palestinians. About 118 have died. What's their crime? They're protesting the genocide of Gaza. I'm devastated. Because love is at the center of my faith. And if you're a Christian, it's the center of yours. At least it should be. So how can we minimize the importance of these verses? Here is what the Christian faith is all about. A love for God and a love for all creation. Keep in mind that Old Testament contains both. Yeah, both of these commandments. Ultimately, Jesus declared that his mission was to fulfill those laws, not, or as one man phrased it, to fill it full, rather than abolish it. Just as we need to be reminded today, Israel needs to be reminded of what was fundamental, vital, and truly necessary to our faith. I kind of think it's fitting we talk about that love can look like. So I want to tell you about Desmond Doss. It was a Christian man who decided that his faith was so important that he could not kill another human being. So, during World War II, when he got drafted, he volunteered in. He got sent to Fort Jackson in South Carolina for training and consequently became a medic assigned to the 2nd Platoon, Company B. 1st Battalion, 307th Infantry of the 77th Infantry Division. He served in Guam and the Philippines, earning two bronze stars for valor, caring for his platoon. And you know what? He was there at the Battle of Okinawa, saved somewhere between 50 and 100 wounded men on a place called Hacksaw Ridge. He himself was wounded four times before they finally got to force him off that ridge. 
and on the way down, his armor struck and shattered by a sniper round. And then he had shrapnel lodged in his body when the dude kicked a living, about-to-explode grenade away from himself and his comrades. He held on to that love, even amidst hell. So where is our love? Where is our care and our humanity while bomb after bomb, rocket after missile, after bullet after bullet after bullet, are fired into civilians, hospitals, places of worship? Because they bombed a church. They've bombed mosques. They bombed schools. I don't think it's true, but the Ministry of Education in Gaza declared the end of the school year. Not because of the bombing, but because there were no students left. They were all dead. I don't know if that's true. But it hurts that someone could even put it out there and I think it might be credible. So where is our love? Because that love that's the center of our faith is also critical to health and well-being. Without love, we cannot grow. We can't survive. One of the most disturbing inhumane and evil experiments I have ever heard of came from a South American children's home. 97 kids aged three months to three years were well fed, clothed, given good medical attention, but there was no one to love them, no one to play with them, and in only a few short months their appetites dwindled and their health began to fail. If no one to love them, they began to wither away. In two years, 34 of those kids had passed away and 21 were mentally and physically scarred. These children were destroyed. They were physically well nourished, but their hearts were starved. They were given everything they could want but not the love that they needed and deserved. What's that do to an entire people? A Harvard study tracked the lives of 7,000 people and found the isolated were three times more likely to die than those with strong social relationships. People with bad health habits, you know, such as smoking, eating crap, being fat, abusing alcohol, but I had strong social ties. They lived significantly longer than those who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, as Ortberg quoted, it's doctor of the study, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. And Robert Putnam, another researcher, 
opine that if you belong to no social group, but join even just one, you cut the risk of dying in the next year by half. That is how powerful love is. If love had been shown in 1918 when the British held authority over the Palestinian region taken from the Ottoman Empire, how many lives would be saved? Instead of this colonial mess where only hate stands between two people who used to live in complete harmony before Britain took over. Douglas Davidson, author of The Other Side, in an article titled Welcome Home, cites a study that examined the effects of World War II bombings upon children in London. Children who stayed in the city during the bombings going into the underground shelters with their parents actually fared better psychologically and socially than the children who were taken out of London to a safe place in the country. Because although they were taken away from London, they were also taken away from their families. Even though the children remained in London, were faced with the genuine possibility that their houses would be destroyed and that they might be physically harmed. Nevertheless, they found a higher level of peace, not in external security, mind you, but through significant relationships. Love Working Miracles for the Mentally Ill in Kansas was a headline I found from the Chicago Daily News article. It highlighted renowned psychiatrist Carl Menninger, who, honestly, I hadn't heard of until I started researching into love and mental illness. But according to him, one of the best treatments for mental illness is love. Menninger, or Menninger, I don't know, responded to reporters' questions about how it was that 80% of patients made full recovery by saying the key was not electroshock therapy or surgery, group therapy, medications, any of that. I mean, they were important, but the ultimate key lied in one word. Love. So love is at the center of our faith. Love is essential to our physical and emotional well-being. And that brings me to my final point. The last thing I think I can say. Love is my primary calling as a follower of Jesus. And if you follow him, then it's your primary calling as well. It's how we're supposed to be identified. That's what Jesus wanted from us. To love so freely, radically, and unashamedly that the world will know us by it. That's what's written in John's gospel. Right there. Chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love strong enough to stand and scream peace in the face of politics and bullets. In the face of Zionism, racism, nationalism, atrocity, and all forms of its hate. 
Love enough to give hope to the hopeless. To shatter borders and love enough to say enough is enough. Regardless of what dark history lingers in the past that we could hold the grudge over. Regardless of whether you're an Arab, Hebrew, Jew, Gentile, Christian, Muslim, black, white, red, yellow, green, purple. Who the fuck cares? Without love, we all wither and die. If love is the foundation of Allah and the summation of all the prophets, then apathy is the foundation of sin. Because it's easy to make excuses not to love and make no effort. All it takes is a little bit of apathy. We can watch the news. We can punt things down the road. We can see the person with the sign asking for a dollar in your pocket and not even make excuses. We will just stare straight ahead and pretend that we don't see the call for love. And sometimes we make an excuse here or there. You know what? My wife really can't. That woman will go out of her way all the time, anytime, every time. Drop of a hat, the sound of a pin, gone. No matter what. Even it means if we're a little bit tighter at the end of the month. Fuck it. <laughs> We still have it better. Let's get on with it. I see her reach to her pocket and buy a man anything he wanted to eat at a cafe. Just because he was sitting there at the counter, hungry. This crazy bitch inspires me every damn day to love that much more freely. I think she has that love for everyone that I think Jesus wanted in every person to possess. It is this love for one another that marks her as his. Not some baptism, not anointing to make us known to him. Just loving as he loved us. Loving our neighbors as ourselves. To refuse to carry a gun up Hacksaw Ridge and kick a grenade to save those with you. To hand over a dollar or even our coat to someone who can't buy one. To love so completely and so unfettered. So who is there that you and I can show Christian love to? Who do we know that is struggling to whom we can reach out? Because the next word of the law tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. That says it all. You now know the gospel truth and the great message. You now understand the meaning of the universe better than the number 42. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love is at the center of our faith. Love is essential to our physical and emotional well-being. Love is our primary calling as followers of Jesus.
So I'll catch you next time, folks. Who knows? Maybe I'll actually do this at my computer once again sometime. For now, fuck it. Take care. And for fuck's sake, love each other. There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons. And then there are those that follow Mohammed's butt. I've never been one of them. Pie Jesu Domine, Dona Eis Requiem. Oh Lord, oh you are so big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either.